Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Fill in the Frame, a podcast where I get to sit down with photographers and talk about anything, whatever they like, whatever they don't like, uh, where they started, and what they're working on currently. I hope you guys enjoy. The first episode is with my buddy, Ricardo Zapata, starting from his days in high school, shooting and developing his own film, going all the way to now, working with the Anaheim Angels and getting to shoot some of the top athletes in the world. Well, I hope you guys enjoy. Ricardo Zapata. Kyle McDormand. So, photography between you and I, mm-hmm. um, it all started, right? High school? Yeah. For, yeah, for our, our photography friendship relationship began in, in uh, high school back in, what was that, the early 2000s? Early yeah. mid-2000s? But I really don't want to get too much on me, so where did this all play to you? Where did... Right around that time is when I, you know, took a real deep dive into photography. Um, when I was a kid, I remember my mom and my grandma always had cameras with them at any family function. Everyone was snapping away pictures. And it was all just, you know, regular family candid snapshots that uh, they would bring around to whatever function it was. And anytime I could get my hand on the camera, I would... You know, like any little kid, I was super excited to snap a photo and I didn't quite understand it. But it wasn't until, you know, I'd say maybe junior high school where I was, I'd say like eighth grade, I was taking a camera with me most places I went because that's right around the time when I was given a little more freedom. I was skateboarding with my friends, you know, hitting the skate park, hitting Fullerton High School. And I wasn't as good as some of my other friends were uh, technically on the skateboard. So I'd have my camera with me, so when they'd start doing tricks downstairs and stuff that I couldn't land, I was there to document it. And that's how it all began for me. It was just a form of documentation, kind of taking what I had uh, seen and experienced with my grandma and my mom at family functions, and it was kind of applying that same thing just with stuff that I wanted to capture, which was skateboarding. And but then, at that time, it wasn't so easy to have all of our pictures and stuff done because we don't have this new era where every phone, every little camera, you can go and pick up a tiny digital camera and do that. When we went for me and for you as well, we all started with film Mm -hmm. and that wasn't cheap. No, it was, uh, I'd be saving my lunch money, saving my birthday money, saving Christmas money. Occasionally, I think if, uh, you know, like most other kids, they go to the, the store with their parents and their parents are like, oh, I'll buy you a treat, I'll buy you a toy or whatever. I think for me, it was, hey, mom, can you, you know, pay for these pictures to get developed? And it was, you know, whether it was my skateboarding stuff or when I started going to concerts, I would try to sneak in these, you know, point and shoot cameras into the, the concert venue or at the warp Tour, whatever it was. And mm-hmm. so for a lot of, you know, my early years of photography, it was just documenting and whenever I could get the film developed I sometimes it'd be months and months and months you know yeah uh, just stacking up roles yeah I think I found a, a bag of film maybe six months ago I was going through some boxes um, and I found like two or three rolls of film and now I develop my film at home my color film I develop it at, 
on my on my own. So it's like, all right, might as well throw this in there and see if there's anything on there. I think one one roll was like really really thin because it was so old, and the other mm-hmm. ones nothing came out. But just goes to show that there's stuff from you know the the mid late nineties that had still gone undeveloped just because we don't always had the money for it. And that's some of the fun things about film is that even if it's expired, even though it's old, a lot of times you can still shoot it and still develop it, and it comes out a certain way that you can never understand or never know how it's going to, but it might turn a whole new look that you might never even know that a kind of style that you might like, and then you kind of go for that because you never know what's going to happen. What I like about film is you, you know what you're doing, you know the shot that you're going to get, but sometimes when you're working on some of those expired roles or you're working with a new roll of film that you haven't shot before, there's just a few of those variations where it's kind of a, a guessing game and there's a surprise element to it at the end. Especially developing at home, uh, I was doing it a lot less scientific and uh, less methodic than I do it now. <clears throat> so if my temperatures were off just like a degree or two, it would completely change uh, the results that I was getting. Now I have like a whole setup where I get, you know, all my temperatures dialed in exactly where I need to be. So I'm getting those consistent results every roll of film that I develop. But, you know, there is that surprise element that I think is exciting. Whereas, like you were saying, the, the accessibility of photography today, I think, is great. I think it's really growing the interest and is growing the field of photography. Uh-huh. But um, I don't know. There, there's something about taking a little bit more time. And, you know, with a roll of film, you, you have your 36 shots. And that's what it is. And, you know, you only bring six rolls of film with you, three rolls of film with you, whatever you have. That's, that's what you got. You got to make every single one of those frames count. Whereas iPhone, DSLR, mirrorless, whatever digital format you're using, it's with technology now and how inexpensive it is to buy memory space and storage space, it's you could shoot thousands and it's, thousands it's and thousands endless. of photographs. Yeah, it's endless. And then get the one you want, you know. Yeah, um, instead, it almost becomes more of you get lucky on a good shot other than putting the work into making that shot good the first time. Right. And I think there is... The way that I learned with photography, you know, in a dark room, shooting a roll of film, there was, you could, you could look at your contact sheet and you could see the progression. You could see what got you there. Or maybe you're just shooting run and gun one day. <clears throat> you see a shot that you like, you know, you do your contact sheet. You think, oh yeah, that might be okay. You print it out and you're like, you know what? This doesn't look at anything how I want. So now I got to go back next week and I'm going to try to do it again. Yeah. Spend a couple more frames on it. Oh, that didn't work out. Like there was a lot more time that was invested to it where I think now, you know, and, and I'm not trying to downplay the importance of digital photography at all. Don't because worry. It's, it's, it's your own, it's your own, yeah. it's your own thoughts. We all have our own thoughts. But that's the majority of the work that I do is, is digital. So I understand the convenience and I also think it's a really, really powerful platform to learn where you look at Instagram uh, nowadays and you see some of the stuff that these kids are doing at such a young age is way more advanced than what you or I were doing when we were in high school. Definitely. I was goofing around. I was trying to figure out 
what I wanted to capture. I was trying to figure out how, you know, exposure value even worked. And now I feel like with, with digital photography is you get those results instantly rather than having to develop your film, go to the dark room. And there's so many variables in, in that process that could go wrong where you might've had a good shot, but if you didn't roll your film correctly, it's like, oh man, I don't even know if I got it. Yeah. And so I feel like with, with digital photography now, is you take the picture, you look at the back of the camera, and if you're using it correctly, you could take a look at your histogram. If you're plugging it into your monitor and you're getting like good colors and a good, you know, because obviously the back of the, 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 the screen on your camera doesn't give you what it actually looks like. But I feel like there are so many, so many tools now that would have made me, I feel like, a better photographer at an earlier age had I grown up with this technology. But do you feel that, especially, you know, growing up the way we did, Fullerton High School, Photography Lab, Mm -hmm. um, with developing our own stuff, and actually, we are now, or we did the same editing, but physically in a dark room, than... In which might cost us a ton of money because it was just sheet after sheet after sheet mm-hmm. of photo paper. Yeah. Um, but we we physically saw the changes that we would do with dodging and burning mm-hmm. and being able to expose it longer or shorter or what we would do. Um, do you feel like that actually turned you into a better photographer or understanding how to use a camera rather than these just functions and filters that people are putting on these digital cameras with a touch of a button? Yeah, I think so for sure. I think it has, I'm I'm glad the way that I learned, you know, going back to what I had just said about the technology and using it as a tool for, for learning. I, I'm really happy with my background in film photography and learning in a dark room, I think it had, it had trained me from, from the beginning to really embrace and trust the process. Uh, you know, there are times that I get frustrated because I wasn't getting the results that I thought I was when I was looking through the viewfinder and, you know, tripping the shutter. But I think it, I guess conditioned my mind to start thinking about other little variables and thinking about all the decisions. Everything was a conscious decision that I was making when I was when I was snapping each shot. Whereas with digital photography now, you could take a bad shot and turn it into a good shot really easily. And I think that kind of um, defeats. I, I, I think it kind of deteriorates some of the work. And for me, I, I do get frustrated when I see, and I don't know if it's because I'm jealous or if it's because I'm a grumpy old man. I don't know what it is, but I know there's there's something in me that sometimes goes off when I see, you know, you know a 19-year-old kid out here taking these photos that aren't that good. The compositions are decent. You know, but it's the edit that everyone's like, oh my God, this is such a sick pick. And it's like, I don't know, my training, and I went to art school after, you know, going to Fullerton High School. And so I took a lot of those like art theory classes. I took a lot of film classes. I took a lot of 
classes where you're sitting down and you're having a constructive critique with other people and they're telling you what's working and what's not working. And sometimes those get a little contentious because you're, you know, no one wants to hear all the bad things about what you're doing, all the, the, you know, someone pointing out the things that aren't working. You know, we like to get our ego stroked and we like to hear when someone's like, yo, that's a sick picture. Like, oh man. But definitely. Of course we love that. When it comes to photography, it could be, when it all comes down to it, it's art and it's its own, everyone has their own opinion. Yeah. On what is good and what is bad. And that's, so you went to a, you went to a photography school Mm -hmm. after high school. Yep. So did I. And with people yeah like who who's to tell you what you're doing is bad for me it's it's people's opinion that i really cherish um there's an old proverb and you know i'm not a, a superly overly religious person but there's an old proverb that is uh in the bible that says um you know it is it is greater to be oh shoot i'm t- i'm totally going to it's all good. I'm totally gonna mess this up now that I'm that we're on on uh, we're being recorded. Um, it is it is better to be criticized by a wise man than to be praised by a fool. Definitely. And that's something that I have always taken to heart. You know, uh, you know, the instructors and professors that I had that I really admired their work. Anytime that they would give me any sort of criti- uh, any sort of critique positive or negative i really took that to heart when i got a compliment it was like oh hell yeah dude like i'm on top of the world right now because bill franson my black and white darkroom photographer just complimented my my Mm -hmm. work oh my god i feel incredible but on the flip side of that when he would tell me something that wasn't working i never felt discouraged i felt like okay like i need to go out and i need to address this i need to make sure that i'm paying attention to that the next time I'm I'm out there shooting, and then you went to college in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, went to a photo school out there. Um, did you were with me when I went out when I went to photo school out in Chicago? And I felt that when I came from the West Coast, California, mm-hmm. you know, sunny, surfing waves, whatever you want to call it, even though. Most of us aren't like that. Yeah, but there's still um, that California lifestyle. When, that, yeah. yeah, but when we moved out to the Midwest or even now the East Coast for you, can you see those styles change? And can you... Did people see the difference in how you shot here in the West Coast where we are right now in California, beautiful Fullerton, than to when you went to Boston? Yeah, I and I think... So first of all, is it just getting off the plane, first day in Boston, it's snowing. Culture shock. Complete culture shock. I had never seen snow fall from the sky before. I had gone to the snow, but I had never seen it fall from the sky. So that was just wild. For yeah, me. same thing with me. It's like, what the heck? I thought I was in this like winter wonderland. I, <clears throat> All my classmates, everyone was like, oh my God, no, the snow is so annoying. And I'm like, oh my God, I love it. You know. So first of all... Yeah, get me out there. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, it's a culture shock. Second of all, being in a in a big downtown city, coming from a suburb, and living in Boston proper, that was wild to me. Just definitely so much more traffic, you know, public transportation, people, noises, people moving around, trains, everything. It was just 
completely wild. So I think for a lot of that, that first year that I was even out there, you know, I was actually just looking at some of my work from that time period. And a lot of it was very observational. And it was just me taking pictures of things that were new to me. Exactly. Which might be the same that everyone else that's been out yeah. there, they're mm -hmm. just like, oh man, okay, another train, yeah, another this is, bridge, this is, another thing. This is usual. Yeah, for us in Fullerton, it was just like, oh my gosh, like an actual, an actual way to get around without needing a car yeah. or a bike, and you know, like it actually, it's functional. Yeah. We didn't, we don't have that function. Yeah, everything to me was, it was just, like I said, it was, it was, uh, it was observational and looking back at it, I, I, I was proud of those pictures when I took them because it was like, oh my gosh, this is so different. But it was kind of like that mindset where, you know, anyone could go on, you know, an African safari and take a picture and it's going to be like, people are going to be, you know, intrigued by it and compelled by it because it's like, oh my God, you got this majestic lying on the lion lying on the Serengeti. Yeah. That's amazing. But if you see that every day, it's yeah. just like, okay, this is If you're whatever. that tour guide. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh, okay, the <clears throat> and same so, picture I've always seen. Yeah, so that's how I feel looking back at my, my first year of work when I was in Boston. It was very, you know, like I said, at the time, I was pumped up by it. I thought it was great, but it was because it was all new stuff to me. Um, now looking at it, it's like, oh, yeah, this is just not that great. It was just me taking pictures of things. And I think when I would come home on like my school break and I would be taking photos of Fullerton taking pictures of my family I remember there was a, a big difference in just the emotional reaction that I would get and other people would get looking at the photos that I would take here versus the photos that I would take in Boston yeah um, and then yeah with taking pictures and bringing them back to Boston did you feel like that brought in your critiques in your classes? Did that bring out different emotion, different thoughts from people who were there? Yeah, so <clears throat> it would, the critiques went differently for sure. I think they could see, okay, you know, this guy, he's interested, he's invested in the subject matter that he's capturing rather than the stuff that he's taking here, like I said before, taking pictures of things. Whereas when I come home, I'm with my friends, I'm in these familiar places. And so that had a different, had a different feel. The delivery was different because it was me in my element versus me being an observer in a new place where I'm still trying to, you know, get my bearings straight that I'm still trying to process as not only a photographer, just as a human being trying to adjust to a new, I guess, lifestyle, a new way of living. And so I guess... You could even say that the same was true on the flip side. When I would bring my photos from Boston back here, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, this is so cool, this is so cool. But I think it was because it was new to them as well. They hadn't seen that stuff, so they thought it was cool because it was different. Um, I think once I realized that I take better pictures of things that I'm invested in or things that I'm curious about at a different level of just, oh, something new, something cool point shoot you know well then that's a perfect like segue into my next kind of thing or my next topic is stuff stuff you've worked on 
Mm-hmm. Um, I can totally tell when I've looked through your stuff and just over the years of being friends with you that you've really shot a lot of stuff or have gotten into things that you've personally taken a passion to, yeah. which would be <clears throat> Doomtree. Yeah. Music. Yeah. And being involved and being a, feeling like you're a part of not just being behind the camera and taking it, but loving the stuff that's in your foreground. Yeah, so one of the days, you know, going back to, to my, my days in Boston, uh, we were in class and we were having a critique and it was, uh, it was a light bulb moment for me. And I think that turned the whole path of my photography career. Uh, you know, we're sitting there and we're talking about, you know, why do we take pictures of the things we take pictures of? And, you know, my answers were, were very general. And as we kept like unpeeling the onion and my instructor was asking me more questions, more questions, following up, following up, I was able to realize that the stuff that I was chasing and the stuff that I wanted to do was stuff that I was passionate about, stuff that I related to. And so once I realized that, it just, it, it, I turned the corner and I feel like my photography turned the corner. You could see that there was more of an interest. There was more of a passion behind it. And so when I was a student, I reached out to uh, a performer, a rapper that I really was getting into at the time. And I said, hey, I'm working on a school project. Do you mind if I come out? Can I can I get a photo pass for you know your your gig <clears throat> on you know whatever night it was, and that was uh, February of two thousand nine, I believe, and that was to go see this rapper named Pos uh, from a crew called Doomtree out of Minneapolis, and he was really cool. The rest of the crew that came with him really cool. I took a bunch of pictures. Looking back, I made the mistake of sending him like a, <laughs> way too many photos in my edit. Uh, I, I, I knew how to edit photos in Lightroom and in Photoshop, but I didn't know how to edit my, my take down to uh, a good number. I think I had delivered like over 200 photos. This guy's on tour. He doesn't want to shuffle through 200 and something photos, you know, so he yeah. never used any of them. And at the time I was like, what the heck, man? These are good pictures. Like, why didn't you post any? And it was yeah. looking back, it's like, yeah, because he's not going to sit there and shuffle through this many to find one or two that he that he likes. Um, but that was, that set up a, a, a relationship with uh, Steph in Doomtree. And then anytime that any of those guys were coming through, you know, whatever city I was living in at the time, I would reach out to them and say, hey, you know, can I get a press pass? Can I get uh, access? And it kind of built this really slow forming friendship. And eventually it got to the point where they would start to call me. They would reach out to me and say, hey, we're going on a tour. We're going to be on the West Coast these days. Are you available for any chunk of that? Or, hey, we got a tour coming up. How much of your time can you give us? Uh, you know, we, we like the work that you do and we, we want someone to document it. And, you know, that turned into... I think three or four different tours that I did with them, uh, different parts of the country. It turned into uh, a small like mini documentary that we did with Cliff Bar. 
Um, and it turned into a bunch of different opportunities where I was working for uh, Rhyme Sayers, an indie hip-hop label out of Minneapolis. Uh, and that kind of blew the doors open for me and a, a style. Um, I think before, I've already said it already, uh, I was just taking pictures of things. And I think once I realized taking pictures of things that I'm passionate about and giving my perspective on it, whereas I'm trying to give the fans of Doomtree and the viewers of mine a new perspective because everyone goes to everyone goes to the show. They pay their their ten buck cover charge to get in and see what happens on stage for that ninety minutes or two hours. But what they don't see is how late we're getting out of the club, how late we're checking into the motel, what it's like to be on the uh, on the road all day long, stopping at gas stations, and that's where we're eating our lunch and checking into the venue and sound check, all these different things, you know, I don't think a lot of people at the time had the access. Um, now with smartphones and everything moving so quickly digitally, you know, Snapchat stories, Instagram stories, YouTube, everything is happening in real time all the time now. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. So it was kind of for me, it was a way for me to discover what I liked shooting and giving my viewers an inside look where they're not just a fly on the wall. It it became where I had forged a friendship with all these members of this crew to where I felt like I was part of the team. And so this is a look through what a tour may be like from one of the members even though i'm not a member you know what i mean like definitely this is what it looks like to one of them but and some of the stuff that we don't get to see as a normal human being right what these people yeah do on a daily basis and not just when they're on that stage exactly for the hour that you're at a show seeing mm -hmm. them uh that's some of my favorite stuff to look at a lot of photographers i like to follow just because of the fact that they look at the background they mm -hmm. don't look at just what that perfect spotlight always right. shows they give you this access that you normally can't get otherwise and then uh there was a dangerous time for you out on the road and something that is the worst fear of every photographer happened to you yeah so we were uh <clears throat> in buffalo new york and i was meeting up with some friends i had lived in buffalo for real quick moment and uh I was meeting up with some friends we went to the rest of the band went to go eat dinner and I went to a club real quick left all the gear in the van we parked maybe less than a block away and, and how much gear like what are we talking about uh so we got back to the van and we had been broken into everything that was in the van was gone anything that was of value in the van gone stuff in the trailer was fine but in the van was my whole camera bag which contained laptop a couple of hard drives with years of work um a lot of personal sentimental things like notes from my niece uh my notebook that had basically all my ideas all my thoughts my journal everything gone lenses uh, and not just my stuff, you know, our tour money was in there with merch money, 
a uh, couple of guys bags with their laptops a uh, couple one guy like his uh bag with his guitar pedals got stolen anything that had any monetary value that was in that van was gone and i think we did the math and it was somewhere close to like 40 or 50 grand worth of stuff jeez and uh that i think is probably one of the worst feelings that i had ever felt just coming back and at the time I was also working for Fullerton College, uh, creating content for their social channels for their football team. And I had taken a couple of weeks off to go on this tour. And one of the weeks was the bye week. So I wasn't really missing too much work. And my brain immediately went to, okay, I have a job that I need to get back to in a week. What the heck am I going to do? How am I going to capture this? Definitely. And that was, that was my biggest worry. Um, and I guess, you know, kind of looking back a little selfish because everyone else had lost a bunch of stuff. But for me, I was just thinking like, oh, shoot, like how how am I going to continue to collect a paycheck when I can't deliver anything? Yeah, you don't have the tools for the trade. Yeah. And so I thought, OK, I could sell some prints. I could sell some other gear that I didn't bring with me. I could uh, sell a bike. I could. I was just in my head creating an inventory of all the things that I have at home of any value that I could cash in to get just a basic camera set up. And, you know, the band went back. We checked into our hotel later that night. Everyone's just super discouraged. They're trying to figure out, okay, are we gonna we gonna continue the tour? Are we gonna call it quits? And they had all decided, let's let's continue the tour. Let's see if we could crowdfund any of this and get just the the bare bones needed to get the show back up and running so we could still collect uh, admission we could still sell merch um, and just leave the tour you know not completely empty-handed and defeated and while they were having their little band you know meeting and discussing you know what was missing what they needed most to continue putting on a live show every night they had gone above and beyond and you know they felt responsible for my stuff getting uh, stolen so they put it in there crowdfunding their GoFundMe or Indiegogo page, whatever it was, they put in there, I think, close to $10,000 of gear for me. Uh, bought me a new laptop, bought me a new camera, a couple of new lenses, new hard drive. They gave me the essential tools that I needed, not only to continue that tour, but to get back to work yeah, when I came back, back to Southern California. Feet. Yeah, which was completely unexpected. Uh, and it just, it made me feel... During this time where, you know, all of our hopes were just down in the dumps, just feeling hopeless, feeling irritated, feeling violated in some weird way, just well, it, it made me feel like I was part of the team and it just went to show how much support that I had because there were people reaching out to me that were my Instagram and Twitter followers that were, you know, donating and, you know, sending their, their, their best wishes and it just, it, it was really cool because this is it, it, something that we could have walked away just being super negative about. But ultimately, I think it turned us into a, a, strider, a, a stronger community, just a much stronger bond between all of us. And it was something that I'll never forget. Yeah, definitely. Like when it comes to gear and not just pictures are more than just an object, that just a picture. It's like it seems like everything that you capture isn't just 
what it is. It's more. It's a feeling. It's a to me. It's a story. It's an experience. You know, I'll look back on some of my old photos from when we were on tour or when I was in Boston, and you know, technically or aesthetically, they might not be my best works, but some of the most nostalgic or sentimental feelings will come out, and it to me it means something. And those are the photos that. I might not show to the rest of the world, but those I have stored away on a hard drive for me. Like these, this is something that means something to me. I'll print it out and I'll put it up in my office or whatever. But like you're saying, yeah, it's it's more than just an object. It's more than just a photo. There's there's a whole story behind it. There's a whole experience. Exactly. So with with working with them, you were talking about a whole new chapter, a whole different side of things, and that's shooting sports shooting football. Um, I actually, I had the opportunity of working with you for yeah. a couple of years, actually. Yeah. Going to uh, football games. And we even have some, you know, really good stuff when the football team that we work for, Fullerton College, actually went to a national championship and played, and played a big game and we were able to go with the team. Yeah. That was... Getting into sports photography was just kind of one of those right place, right time stories where my brother-in-law worked for Fullerton College doing athletic training and he asked if I could come out to just capture some photos of his training crew. So I did that. And at the time I was working, you know, bare bones setup uh, with, with a DSLR and a fixed 50 and going around. And I remember one of the photographers is like, you're shooting a football game with that? Super condescending, which mm -hmm. I did not like. Mm -hmm. But I was like, whatever. Like, that kind of added fuel for me. Like, I'm going to show this guy who's got, you know, this 600 mil lens, who's got this, you know, two to four mil lens, like multiple bodies that are shooting, you know, 10, 12 frames a second. And I'm over here with a full frame body that's shooting, you know, barely over three frames a second and a 50 and you know that to me was a challenge and i was like all right you know i'm gonna make the most out of what i have you know the best i truly believe the best camera is the camera you have with you i don't care if that's a point and shoot camera i don't care if it's your phone i don't care if it's the you know top of the line state-of-the-art nikon that shoots 50 frames a second and records you know 50 megapixels i don't care i think whatever you have with you is the best camera and I made the most of it and, you know, I sent in some of these photos. I, I was there to document the athletic training staff and I thought, you know what, while I'm here, I might as well take some photos of the football team. Yeah, have some fun. Yeah, have some fun, try something new. Got a few photos that I was really proud of and sent them in to the school. The SID, he liked them, but they had a guy at the time. And so that was kind of it. Uh, a little bit of time had gone by, and I, I think I'd asked Juan if I could go to another football game. I think they had a big playoff game going, and I just wanted to go to see how the football team did. I was now invested in this team and brought my camera with me, took some more photos, uh, sent them into the SID. They didn't get used for anything, but he's like, hey, these are pretty cool. Thanks again. You know, Okay, cool. No big deal. Fast forward a couple of years, and their photographer... Uh, was unavailable he got hired on some other jobs and they were the I was the first call that they made you know the SID really liked my style and I was super nervous because I didn't have any of that gear that could shoot you know multiple frames per second that you need to capture that that high action 
and you know i went and had a, a meeting with him and talked to him he's like no don't change the way you shoot don't change your style i like your you know documentary style and a lot of this had been built on that foundation with going on tour with doomtree and being behind the scenes and giving my viewers that access so <clears throat> so it pretty much means that every opportunity you have is almost just getting you ready for that next step yeah absolutely and so you know at the time i didn't realize it and you know once i sat down i was talking with phil and he was like you know don't shoot the way you know don't change the way you're shooting just go in there keep doing what you're doing went back looked at photos from the road with doom tree kind of you know just took a look at my work because i think i was overthinking so much of it and you know just kind of went back into the the, the new season and uh that kind of that was my thing for a while shooting football for the college and then it got into baseball and shooting all their sports and you know i never thought that i was going to enjoy shooting sports and i think because my approach was completely different than what the the normal photojournalist approach is that is you know they're, they're trying to get the magazine cover or the baseball card image where it's like mid-action and you know that is part of the story so i would capture a lot of that as well but most of the stuff that i showed was the emotional stuff stuff on the sidelines you know the locker room locker room i think there's a couple of good photos that you know both of us got more than a couple there are several good photos when we went to that national championship game up in butte you know fullerton lost and i feel like i created some of the best images some of those reaction shots of those guys crying into each other's arms after having such a long season and them coming up just a few points short you know i was able to you were able to both of us we were both able to capture you know some really emotional really captivating photos that i think you know are still to this day some of my favorite photos that i've taken yeah because when it when it comes down to it yes we all love that glory story that glory photograph that makes us you know look perfect looks amazing but right we're not all perfect yeah we all we all Far have we all we all fall if yeah. you think about it most of the time we're falling that 90 percent, and we get that one that couple chances that we actually look good in yeah and not all of us want to see that all like we need to learn from losing right and from sometimes not getting exactly mm. what you want right we went up there to shoot a championship game that we thought no way there's no way we're losing fullerton this oh, yeah was fullerton losing this no way we they, went in so confident so uh, losing that game i don't think was was a thought on anybody's mind i think everyone just went in thinking we got this yeah um but one of the biggest takeaways from that wasn't even just losing. I think I, I learned uh, an important lesson on failure, but I also learned that this was after getting all my stuff jacked when I was in Buffalo with Doomtree. And now fast forward, you make it to this national championship game and you lose and everyone's bummed. And, you know, a couple of things could have happened. I'm up in guys' faces. I'm shooting, you know, uh, fixed lenses. So I'm shooting, I think, a, a 20 and a 50 so these you know i gotta get real close to these guys and i'm kind of in their faces taking photos of them crying you know embracing each other embracing their family you know dealing with this defeat dealing with this failure and 
I realized that no one had ever thought twice about me capturing this stuff because I had been there with them for the entire season. I was one of them. I was part of, you know, we were part of that team. Guys were fist bumping us when they're coming out of the locker room, you know, on the sideline after a touchdown. Like, it had built that bond with the team where I wasn't a reporter. I wasn't the guy that's just trying to get the photo for the newspaper or for the magazine. It was, this guy is telling our story. This is part of the story. And no one ever, you know, blinked twice at us being that close to yeah, never these photos of them dealing with heartbreak. Yeah, it was it was great. We were we were intruding on their personal in their personal space and Absolutely. their personal feelings. We were in the locker room, and you know it was one of those things where when you put the time in and you show them that I'm not here for glory, I'm here for it all. Mm-hmm that they respect you and they respect what you're doing yeah we're not we're actually both of us are not very tall (laughs) you know we're we're not very like we're we We look tiny next to these guys these guys are huge but the same thing is they understand our worth and they understand the service and what we can provide and that just comes with the emotion involved too um, they they loved the fact that they were able to sh- have something now mm-hmm. that will show their family because right. these guys were from all over the country. Yeah. That was the great thing about it. <laughs> yeah, take it in their trash cans. Yep. And... And that's that's where still it comes back to it all comes back around because a lot of times I feel underrepresented as a as a photographer in meaning that what I do isn't tough. Everyone can do it. Everyone has it. You know, anyone can go out and buy a, a kit DSLR mm-hmm. camera and do their stuff. But what makes as true photographers is the fact of how much time we in time we've put into it to develop our styles right and develop our eyes right i think you know going off of that thought you know and connecting it to you know something i brought up earlier is i think that's where i get a little salty with where photography is now is you have some of these young kids who whether they're saving up their money working hard to go out and buy a dslr kit or their parents are you know getting them you know save the art gear for for christmas whatever it is it's it's i feel like the motivating factor behind it with and with a lot of things in society today is fame and is going viral yeah how many likes am I going to get? How many retweets am I going to get? How many how many people are going to show me on their story? Whatever it is, I, I feel like I got into photography because I'm curious about it and because I wanted to show people how I view the world. Whether it's me traveling to a new city for school or whether it's me on tour or whether it's me going on a hike with my friends or whatever it is. I want to show people 
how I view the world. And I know that sounds <laughs> super cliche because that's, you know, what a lot of people say. But I, I, I don't really, I don't concern myself with, and I did before, believe me. I think there was a, a, a time period, a few years where I was really, really hung up and dialed into how many likes am I getting? How many, I had like a stat tracker on my website. I had a stat tracker on my blog. I was putting up, uh, I was putting up blog posts all the time. I was really, really good. Anytime I went out and I had my camera with me, which was all the time, I carried my camera with me anytime I left the house. But if I was going to Disneyland for the day, we would go to a Ducks game together. I would turn that into a blog post, even just going on a bike ride. Everything was a blog post. Everything was here is images that I'm creating and I felt like I had to like show people that I'm working and then I got real hung up on trying to get those likes trying to get those views trying to get traffic to my website and it was just all I was worried about was I was worried about numbers and I wasn't worried and I wasn't really investing myself into the work that I was doing I was chasing validation i was chasing some sort of acceptance some you know i say stardom in air quotes because i wasn't expecting to get famous but i wanted my name to be recognized yeah whereas now all i care about is creating good images that i'm proud of showing people and good images by my standards not what do i think kyle is gonna like not what do i think my brother is gonna like or my boss at work is gonna like that one's a little tricky because it's like you still have to provide content and images that is going to play well with our fan base. But at the end of it, it's like this is this is what I want to do. I, I'm putting myself first. I'm putting my vision first. I'm putting my approach first. And so far, it's been getting me better results. And I feel the most confident about my photography now than I've ever felt about it in my whole time. Yeah, definitely. And then with all that, and with all that time spent, you know, growing your skills and your views on photography, it's, you know, you start out from the little things, from small shows to, to small stadiums, and hey, now you're in one of the biggest stadiums, Mm -hmm. you know, in Southern California, and now you are shooting for the Anaheim Angels. Yeah. How does that feel and how did how did all that become? Uh <clears throat> so I am the photography assistant for the Angels and that had come about they posted an internship a couple of seasons ago and one of my other good friends he had saw a, a, a tweet go out saying that they were looking for a photo intern. And he sent it to me, and I looked at it for a second. I was like, there's no way I'm qualified for this. Like, no, I'm not going to do it. And he followed up with me later that night. And he was like, hey, man, are you going to apply to this? I really think you should. And I was like, ugh, I don't know, man. A lot of people are going to want this job, you know, kind of downplaying myself. And I thought, I don't have all the sports experience. Yeah, I was doing stuff at the junior college level, but I just – I didn't have the gear there was a a lot of things running through my mind like this is a multi-million professional think of it mike trout yeah the greatest baseball player who who could arguably go down as the greatest baseball player ever definitely the greatest baseball player of our generation 
And I, this would be, and this is a position, which is technically documenting, yeah, and selling this this player for his talents. Yeah, and so uh, what I did was I went back to the the old school thinking. Um, I put together a, a special portfolio and a whole website for them with a. It was only my sports stuff. I didn't. I didn't link them to my normal website because I think there was so much on my normal website, they wouldn't get the grasp of how I capture sports. And so I created a website, just sports stuff, had an artist statement, had a bio, and then I even sent in a, a printed portfolio. Uh, you know, with my film background, I still find a lot of value. I hold so much value in physical prints. Heck yeah. I think. You know, and again, I feel like every time I bring up, you know, this digital age, it makes me sound like a grumpy old man, but too many photos live on screens and monitors nowadays yep. and not in a photo album, not on a wall, not even like a four by six print that you could just pick up and hold and give to someone. I, I think everything is, everything's pixels now. Because when you think about it, how often are people going back into their archives in their phone to look at a picture when if there's something that's on a wall or in a book or in something that is tangible that's something that is hung up mm -hmm. you're you're revisiting you're revisiting that shot oh yeah that that moment in time and definitely it's the same feeling that i have um i'm just tired of looking at a glossy screen yeah of something absolutely. that uh, changes too much stimulation too much yeah too much things going on like let's get like, let's get back to that photo hung up in your room or in a photo album right. that you can put on your bookshelf. And not to go not to go way off no, topic no, no. here. No, but I think it's important because it, it'll kind of go into what I'm saying next is I think my appreciation for a print, you know, has, has multiple functions for me. And one of them is it shows that I know how to, you know, craft and actually make a good print because printmaking is hard and I think that's another side of it where a lot of these young kids they're not experiencing because they're shooting digitally and they're posting to Instagram they're posting to their website but they don't know half of the art is making a good print it also serves as a function of if I'm gonna put a photo up on my wall it's gonna be a photo that I am in love with Whereas when I, you know, people post stuff to Instagram, it could be a decent photo and they might not be in love with it. They're just posting it because it's like, oh, well, I need to post something today. Otherwise, I'm going to lose followers. Yeah, this is cute. Might take down later. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I just feel like it, it, it waters down the quality of work. Whereas when you have prints, it's like this is this is something tangible. This is much more permanent than a bunch of ones and zeros that live in cyberspace definitely and so i created this little you know uh portfolio book that i sent to the team and that was actually you know i found out later that was one of the things that impressed them the most yeah. was I, I reached out and i that's something that i don't know if uh people still do i don't think it's that common anymore in the industry to send out printed portfolios i think if you're if you're trying to print for a gallery then yeah obviously uh but if you're just trying to apply for a job i don't think people people print anymore and you know the the people that hired me said that yeah that was to me that was something that stood out 
And that was the reason why we called you in for an interview. So, you know, back to the story of me getting a job with the Angels, I came in for an interview. Uh, at the time, I thought it went really well. I hadn't heard back for like a week or two. And that's when all that self-doubt starts creeping in and I'm overanalyzing every single answer. And I thought like, okay, I didn't get this for sure. Like they would have called me by now. And then that day on my way to work, I get a call from a number I didn't recognize and I realized, oh shit, it's the angels, you know, and uh, they offered me, it was <clears throat> an internship. And at the time, I think I was 32. Yeah, I think I was 32 years old, getting ready to turn 33. No. 31, turning 32. Anyways, I was over 30 years old and people ask me like, oh, what's the craziest thing you've done for love or what's the craziest thing you've ever done? And honestly, working a minimum wage internship over the age of 30. <laughs> yeah, taking the hit. Taking a huge hit. I had to, I went out and I was working another part-time job, but I had to get an additional part-time job. Working three jobs just to pay like, and I'm living on my mom's couch. Like I have like, bare necessities, I'm stripped down to the things that I just need to survive and I barely had enough living paycheck to paycheck doing that stuff. And I honestly think that's the hardest that I've worked and it's the the craziest thing that I've done because I love photography, I love baseball, I love the angels and it was an opportunity that I, I absolutely could not pass up. And I remember there were a couple people that when they had met me, you know, oh, hey, what's your name? Oh, I'm Ricardo, da, da, da. You, you know, you get to know someone. How old are you? Oh, you know, 30 something. What the heck? You're over 30? Intern over 30? And it, I, it, it was, at first, it was something that I was a little self-conscious about. But then I realized, like, no, like, I'm chasing my dream. I don't care how old I am. I'm doing what I I'm love. I'm doing what I love. And yeah. now, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I'm, I'm about to start my third season with the Angels. I'm full-time. And I'm in a position to... Uh, really, really ramp up uh, our social channels. We're, we're kind of taking things in a new direction. I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to say, yeah. uh, so I'm going to just kind of leave it at that. But there's where I am now versus where I was two years ago. It is me as a person. I'm a completely different person through those experiences. And then me as a photographer, I've never wanted to learn at the pace that I'm, I want to learn now. And I've never been as invested in really creating images that I'm, I'm really, really proud of. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that's how we all feel. Um, we all want to just be doing what we love and be pursuing and creating stuff that we love to do. Like yeah. why, why be here and not and not put put your effort and put your time right. and hard work into something that's not going to help you out in the future. Right. Definitely, you know, I've I've known you since I was 14 years old. I'm 32 now. Um glad to say you're one of my best friends and and that's why uh you're my first, you know, you're my first episode. Yeah. And it's wild, sorry to cut you off, but it's wild to think <clears throat> hearing the numbers I've known you more than half your life. Yeah, definitely. That's just, that's, that's yeah. wild to me. And it's all through my sisters and high school and just, and just people and connections. And, and you've taught me a lot in photography. I've even put you down for jobs for as my, you know, as a former employer. Cause technically I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. we've done a lot of jobs together, done a lot of, um, 
different things. And, but for me, it just all stems back to Fullerton High School, that Fullerton darkroom. And, oh, yeah. And just learning how to shoot film. It just being like, it being something that I had no idea I liked until I fell in love with it. Right. And, um. For you, was it, for me, it was interested in photography, shot the role of film, all that was cool. Yeah, developing it. But once I was in the dark room and you see the image come up on the paper when it's in the tray. It's magic. It's like, what the heck? It's magic. Absolutely. To me, that was like, wow, okay. I'm spending all my time in this dark room. Yeah, because it's technically it is a blank sheet. It's like a blank canvas. And somehow you're just seeing this image appear out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's just, and it's through these chemicals and it's through this, it's just this, it's, yeah, it's the photograph in front of you that just comes to life. Yeah. It's almost like it brings you a whole new thought and a whole new feeling because now after this comes to life, it's yours forever. Oh, absolutely. And it'll help me revisit those times like Mm -hmm. high school we all feel that we are, oh, I'm, I'm an adult, I'm, you know, I'm getting older, I'm doing it, but man, we're, I don't know what we're talking about. I was about. wrong. <laughs> like, I, you know, do you feel, do you feel like going to college was worth your time and money for photography? You can be honest, because I have a lot of different feelings about that. That's, uh, that's a question that I'm still trying to figure out, uh, because, the experience, I think, was really essential to me, living out of state. Definitely. Becoming who I am as, as a young man, I think that was all huge. I do, <laughs> I do kind of feel like I got played with uh, the amount of student loans. You know, I'm a, I'm a young kid, bright-eyed, starry-eyed, just, you know, thinking about like all right, I'm I'm chasing a dream. I, I wasn't school is yeah, the answer. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about the commitment to paying off these student loans for this long. And so I think because of how much money goes into my student loan payment every single month, and it still feels like it's not going anywhere. Going anywhere. I'm yeah. barely making a dent. I think that skews my my ability to properly look at the value on school. I think. Ultimately, I'm I'm happy I went there. I'm happy I did it. I'm I'm, but I I still feel like I I got I got ripped off a little. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, I think these these big private lenders that take advantage of young students. That's a whole different conversation well, for a whole other or... day. But I, I I just I feel like I feel like they're they're robbing these young kids, especially like under underprivileged kids that that can't afford it, and so they take out these loans and they get these high interest rates and they have to pay back these loans for the rest of their lives. I think, you know, we need to change our education. But not system. just the loans. Yeah, it's just it's the schools. Yeah. Um, schools. Yeah, schools are just schools are expensive, and yeah, it could have helped with your eye or your way to process or your way to develop your style. But at the same time, nothing but actually going out and do it. Right. Doing it is going to develop anything. And I think, you know, that was uh, an experience that I really enjoyed about where I went to school. Uh, So I went to the New England School of Photography in Boston. 
And their program, the way that they had their curriculum set up was very hands-on. All of our instructors were working professionals that were actively working in the field and not just, oh, I do a gig every once in a while for the local paper or, oh, I get paid occasionally. So, te you know, technically I'm a working. These were all professionals that were working regularly. And so we had our lectures, we had our critiques, and then they would send us out and be like, okay, go do it. And some of our assignments were go get jobs out in the world world and use that as a learning experience. Our, you know, there would be no grade attached to it. We'd come back and, you know, we'd get participation points for doing it, of course. But I think the real lesson was, what did you learn when you were out in the field? What did you learn when you were assisting a professional photographer? What did you learn when you were supposed to hire a couple of your students to be, or your classmates to be your assistants and you're like the lead photographer on it? Like getting out there and doing it to me was was essential that was huge and you know the whole second year when i was doing my you know my my graduating portfolio and is all based around music you know going out and shooting every night at these clubs and then processing the photos and like developing a real world workflow that that had taught me everything and built the foundation for even what i'm doing today with the angels okay that's good. Yeah. So I guess I guess there's your yeah. answer. Yeah. It, well, it was worth it. I'm salty as hell about how much I have to pay every month, yeah. but you know, it's it it has it has directed me down a path to where I have landed a a dream job of mine. So I I, I think without anything that happened before me, I wouldn't be where I am today. Definitely. So with that, Ricardo. Mm-hmm. I want to say thank you for uh, for coming on. Thank you. And um, where where can where can people see your stuff? Where can we uh, where can we find you? Okay, so uh, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. Both of those are at Zapata Photo Z A P A T A P H O T O. I hardly post just because um, I spend so much time on my phone and social for work that it's nice. For me to kind of get away from it when I get home. I get home from work, kind of set my phone down, and I just like chill out. Um, but when I do post, that's where you can find me. Or you could find a lot of my work on the Angels social platforms, which exactly. is Perfect. at Angels. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm in the works of updating my website and putting out a photo book, so those will, uh, those will be out sometime in the future. But until then... You'll, you'll get sporadic posts on Instagram. Cool. Well, thank you, and we uh, maybe we'll have you on again to see, to see where you've gone from there. But for now, everyone, thank you for listening to Fill in the Frame podcast by Kyle McDormand. Thanks, have a everyone. good night. Bye. Print your photos. concludes another episode of the fill in the frame podcast thank you for listening and like subscribe and hey tell a friend um see you back next time